Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. The abortion debate escalates in Missouri and what's ahead for the 2020 legislature. Hi, I'm Dave Helling with the Star's editorial board. We'll tackle both issues next on Deep Background. Well, greetings. You're on Deep Background. Dave Helling with the Star's editorial board and Leah Becerra, my good friend and co-host with us as well. And uh, Jason Hancock in for a rare but important appearance on the pod, uh, joining us as well. Jason, great to have you here from Jeff City. Can't keep me away. Yeah, do it the best I can. Um, We want to talk about Missouri politics a little bit, Uh, Jason, if we can, except for abortion. We're going to talk to Crystal uh, Thomas about that a little (laughs) bit. But give us a broad sense. We're about two weeks away from the uh, pre-filing of bills period in Missouri. Mm -hmm. Do we have a sense of what kind of uh, session we're looking forward to in 2020? Is it is it a do-nothing session because it's an election year, or will there be some theme? Do you have some sense of where they're going to go? Uh, it's a tough one because obviously, not to get too deep into abortion, Crystal, jump into that, but they've already gone potentially as far as they're going to be able to go with the with abortion restrictions. Usually an election year, that's like a go-to issue, you know, right. something about guns, something about abortion. Um, it doesn't seem as though there's too much further to go with guns either. I mean, at least in far as like lifting regulations. And so it, it is sort of up in the air. I think you're going to see in some ways potentially the dynamic from the last session roll over into the, the the upcoming one, which is that block of conservative senators who are not particularly the biggest fans of the administration, sort of trying to push the chamber to the right to varying degrees of success. Um, they kind of mucked things up at the very end last year before giving way to some of the governor's um, priorities. But, you know, they're back this year and it's election year and they're a very well-funded caucus. They have a sort of a benefactor in St. Louis that's helping them fund. It's mostly St. Louis-based, isn't it? Uh, oh, Jason? well, there is. Denny Hoskins is from right. Warrensburg, um, but yeah, most of them are the St. Louis, St. Charles County area. Right. And yeah, I think. Well, actually, and there's one from Kirksville or the Kirksville area, but you know, there's they're playing in primaries all over the state, trying to elect more conservative senators against some establishment. Uh, these are all termed out senators. So there's no incumbents in these districts. And so, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that dynamic plays out with this block of conservative senators trying to not only drive the chamber to the right, but also kind of drawing the ire of Senate leadership who may have different candidates in mind for some of these races. Yeah. Now, we talked a little bit about this, I think, the last time you were on. 
But uh, Governor Parson has moved a little bit to sort of cut some of that off, hasn't he? I mean, he's, he has Trump's, the Donald Trump's endorsement. Doesn't look like there's going to be a major primary opponent. And, and for all the rattle from the more conservative members of the party that somehow Mike Parson has not met their standards, it seems like he's going to sail to the nomination and would be the odds-on favorite in the general. Yeah, I year. think so. You know, he's not a... He is not the ideological firebrand that, say, someone like a, an Eric Greitens was, although one could argue Eric Greitens didn't really have an ideological core. To, he was right. just sort of playing a character that was sort of a <laughs> knock on him. But, you know, he's not a firebrand, but he is a conservative. Now, what I heard, you know, because I just did a story um, recently about just his him looking ahead to 2020, and we can jump into that as much as you want, but, you know, he is not as comfortable as a lot of his Republican colleagues talking about some of these issues like abortion, like you know the social issues that really fire up the base. Um, he's a lot more pragmatic. He's a lot more of a guy that was in the Senate known as sort of a deal maker. Um, you know, look back a few years when he voted in favor of a bill that would have allowed for discrimination protections against LGBTQ Missourians. You know, that's not a position even to this day that his party is necessarily on board with. And he did that as sort of like a horse trading at the end of a legislative session. So I don't, you know, he, I don't think he's going to be facing a primary or anything like that. There are questions about whether he himself could inspire the level of enthusiasm that he would need um, if, if the race got close and he needed to drive out his base. A lot of that presumably will be taken care of if Donald Trump is you know, presumably yeah. the nominee at the yeah. top of the ticket. Let's back up a little bit because you mentioned guns a few minutes ago, and I do think it's interesting that the governor has come to Kansas City, went to St. Louis at least three times in September, uh, down in Springfield, all around the idea of urban violence, and I guess there was a special interim committee that met Mm-hmm. last week, and I asked Mayor Lucas, Quentin Lucas, when he was here last week, if he thought the concrete was cracking just slightly around the feet of the legislature on these issues. And he thought the answer was yes, that there might be, it's a very narrow path, about a hair's width mm-hmm. uh, gap, but there might be a path to at least get the Republicans in Jefferson City to consider the unique problems in urban areas related to violence. Uh, is he just whistling past the uh, <laughs> the desk, or is there something going on there? I mean, he's in the room talking to, to the governor, so I'll, I'll, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. You know, uh, my years in Jeff City, I've never seen them be receptive, the Republican majority I'm speaking of, be receptive at all to anything that would restrict gun ownership, whether that be In fact, the, the opposite is level. the case. Every year yeah. there's a way to make it more open and yeah. more guns more ubiquitous. And I think, you know, going back to the idea of the conservative caucus in the Senate, I can't see a scenario where that group, especially in an election year, when they're going to be pitting, you know, a quote-unquote establishment versus more conservative candidates, would give an inch on the gun issue, the Second Amendment issue. I think there is a there's openings for things like criminal justice reform. The governor's spoken about that in his first state of the state. He talked about the idea of closing prisons, um, but at the same time, you have just the other day we had a state senator op-ed in our paper talking about tougher, tougher sentences, right? And that's typical. I mean, that's like when you think of an election year in Missouri and crime being a big issue, where I think it will be. It's usually a race to how hard can we be on criminals. Um, Parson, a former sheriff, has a little bit more cred in this area. Like he can go maybe a little bit further towards the the criminal justice reform side than a lot of his uh, Republican colleagues. But 
you know, again, it's an election year. And so on the idea of can a gun bill that restricts ownership in any way get through, um, I mean, it would be very, very long yeah, odds. Very, very slim uh, path, as I suggest. But, Leah, one of the things we've talked about all the time is, um, it, the, you know, don't you don't have to change the whole state's gun laws, but give Kansas City and St. Louis the chance to sort of do their own thing and maybe be tougher than other rural areas, that doesn't seem to get anywhere either, does it? Well, yeah. <laughs> Particularly with readers. I mean, I think a lot of readers are going, why should we give up rights that they have in Sedalia or wherever? Yeah, I feel like just outside of the guns issue we're talking about right now, in Missouri, as long as I have lived in this state, guns has and feels like it always will be this controversial issue between rural people and people living in more urban areas. And it's it's always fascinating to me, and it is one of those things where I just think statewide, there's not going to be a consensus. Right. In fact, that's the major dynamic in Jefferson City, isn't it? Rural versus urban. Interests. On a lot of these issues, I mean, there are obviously those big partisan issues when, but obviously in Missouri, urban and rural is Republican versus Democrat. But but historically, even when the Democrats were in charge, that was the dynamic. It was sort of even rural Democrats could side with their suburban and rural Republican uh, colleagues against the St. Louis and Kansas City interests. And the cities always feel like they're getting short shift. They feel like, I remember a few years ago when we wrote about this, this idea of we're paying for everything and yet we're not getting as much in return from Jeff City. Um, that is that is a big dynamic. Guns is the, probably the most salient, like the hottest button one, because it is an issue that's so relevant in Kansas City when you're talking about gun violence. but right, St. It, Louis too. Oh, and maybe even more so in St. Louis and the St. Louis sort of the dozens and hundreds of little communities in that county. But I think back to things like even something, you know, it was a state senator from St. Louis, Jamila Nasheed, who sponsored a bill that just said, if your gun is missing, you have to report it. And that faced fierce opposition. And she couldn't understand why, but another, a, a rural Republican stood up and said, I have so many guns. How am I supposed to know if one is missing? Like I've committed a crime because somebody broke into my house and stole a gun and I didn't notice it. And so like these weird competing dynamics come into play that it's it's difficult needle to thread. And I don't, especially in an election year when everybody's trying to beat everybody else, uh, I don't know, I, I'm prepared to be surprised. Yeah. Let's talk about something more fun. <laughs> All right. Gambling, <laughs> sports gambling, which I think Missouri and Kansas are going to wrestle with, but yeah. there was another committee hearing on this issue, yeah. and you feel, you sense a little movement to, that 2020 will be a year one way or another, well, where Missouri will determine whether it wants to go forward. Yeah, I, the gaming issue's gotten really interesting because you also have these idea of slot machine-esque devices. Which we've also written right. about, and there's, a, there's sort of a left-right push on that as yeah, well. Yeah, like this, it's an issue that it doesn't, it's another one of those you don't really see a partisan, like down, like Republicans versus Democrats. We should on this explain issue, what so. this is. This is like the fake machines, or no, the real machines, but it's a fake game because in essence, they, they'll tell you the outcome before you play, <laughs> and therefore there is no element of chance is the argument, and therefore right. they're legal under Missouri law. Uh, the Gaming Commission doesn't agree. Right, yeah, and then most of these little vendors, or these little uh, small businesses in the areas where these are popping up don't necessarily love that they're popping up. You know, it, it's anytime you have this level of money involved, that's when you start getting the lobbyists and the, the consultants in, and that's where we are at this stage now. But there is a big push, especially with sports gaming, because that's been you know, nationally legalized now, that why should we 
be you know same argument with casinos why are we sitting on the sidelines here it's you know as long as it's restricted to adults and regulated and taxed let's just go ahead and move forward with this and and there is a lot of um, wind behind that argument. So. Yeah. Do you think? Do you sense, Leah? There's support for sports gambling in Missouri. Are people aching for it? I do. <laughs> Sometimes online, you'll see people say, "Why can't we have this? Every other state has it." And other, I think Illinois is doing gaming of some sort. So there's some concern of people going across state lines. Yeah, and I mean, I was born in and have lived in Iowa. So like I completely have lived in an area where people don't see it as being a big deal. But the issue itself for voters, I almost wonder if it's one of those things where the majority of people don't really see the problem with it. So with the right um, money in the right places, whoever has a horse in this race, sorry about that, um, will will end up getting what they want. And plus like you're doing it. I mean, most people probably don't even realize it's illegal. You can go online now and do some version of gambling on sports or fantasy football is not that far removed from like gambling. I mean, a lot of this stuff is already happening. Right, but but they're still fighting about it in Missouri. I mean, if there was an easy way to do it, they'd do it, but they're... There are questions about how much money the state gets, mm-hmm. where you can gamble. Will it be just in the boats? Will it be online gambling, bookies? Yeah. Uh, those questions need to be answered. And then the leagues want a cut, a pretty yeah. big cut, because after all, they are providing uh, the entertainment upon which this industry right. would be based, and they want a little bit of it. We don't know whether college sports would be a part of it. I mean, it. The devil is really in the yeah. details on this one. Yeah, with so much money, that's where everyone's going to want a piece. And yeah, I mean, it's. But does Missouri need money, Jason? I mean, is there. Because I have seen in recent days some concern, and this is sort of the wrap up discussion for us, but some concern that Missouri needs to do something to get a little more money into the till to spur more industry in the state. I mean, I think there is some nervousness, is there not? about Missouri falling into the Kansas trap of not having to do, having all the money they want to do what they want to do. Yeah, I mean, revenues right now are up and you'll never, you'll have no shortage of Republican lawmakers like, cutting. like pointing to the fact that like, hey, everybody said this was going to turn to Kansas, the doomsday, but the tax cuts are working, the economy's growing. At the same time, you have people who are concerned that if there is a recession or any sort of economic downturn, Missouri is not really prepared for that, whether it be a reserve fund or just revenue wise, like as we've cut taxes, we're just not as ready if things go south. And I mean, you're not going to maybe gaming, finding new sources of revenue is something that could help because we're never going to raise taxes, right? That's never going to happen. That's not going to be something that the legislature is willing to do. So not finding even put these that things, on the ballot, right? Yeah. Well, and, and they'll keep point every time something goes on the ballot statewide, it gets knocked right back down and pretty viciously. But you'll start even to see cigarette things. taxes are not popular. Yeah, even in <laughs> cigarette taxes, gas taxes, everything. I mean, we have the lowest of both, I believe, right, in the entire right. country. Um, but even things like putting the sales tax on online sales, right? Which there is a conservative argument for like why does Amazon get uh, an advantage over the mom and pop store down the corner? Even that is a big ask because then it becomes well, where do we do with that money? Should we just put it in general revenue? Should it be targeted for X, Y, Z? Um, one of the things I think you might see next year is a ballot measure by the teachers unions trying to get more money earmarked into education because again, like 
as as our revenues grow, they're not necessarily keeping up with the cost. Right, that we're and the out, Kansas so. example also plays a role there yeah. because of the constitutional guarantees in Kansas have meant more money for schools than right. you might get in in Missouri. Um, but you don't. I, I mean, there's no overriding thing. That means that a lot of the story will be told to some degree at the ballot box, right, Jason? I mean, you will get, maybe you'll get something on school spending. You're almost certainly going to get something on Medicaid expansion, maybe. I mean, mm -hmm. that, that that's clearly not going to go forward, but maybe that ends up on the ballot as well. Um, it, you know, it seems like November of next year will be when we'll see really what's happening in Missouri and less what happens in the session coming up. No, I think that the dies are sort of cast on that. I think a lot of... Um, you know, democratic interests, meaning Democrat with the big D, yeah. not the, the little D, um, are just decided they need to bypass the legislature until until they can get a stronger foothold in there, which they see Clean Missouri, the redistricting plan, as a potential. Are we going to fight over Clean Missouri again? Oh, absolutely. And, and are yeah. we going to fight over ballot access again? There was some discussion, as you know, in the last session to make yeah. it harder to put something before. Clean Missouri for... Or, I, it's it's jokingly referred to as cleaner Missouri. There will be something. The legislature is not going to make the mistake they did last year, where they waited till the end and tried to wipe it all out, and then had like a procedural screw up where a guy didn't show up to a committee and it died, and they couldn't get it out of the committee. That's not going to happen again. I think they'll move it fast. Ballot access, you know, that's something that the Secretary of State Jay Ascroft has been pushing for a long time. I again, it runs into this unusual coalition though of of unions because they want to have access to protect you know, their collective bargaining. And also Rex Singfield, the mega donor from St. Louis. Right. Usually arch enemies, this is the one issue where they come together and it's pretty formidable when you have these two big spending organized things that say, you know, you may not uh, limit access to the ballot because this is how we, it's sort of our trump card. Yeah. And, and we'll leave it at that because the trump card <laughs> will right. be also discussed as we go forward. Jason, thank you so much. Uh, for talking about the Missouri legislature coming up here on the podcast. Leah's going to stick around. After the break, we'll talk with Crystal Thomas about Planned Parenthood and where the abortion debate stands in Missouri. Stay with us, please. You're on Deep Background. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory... Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Hey there, it's Leah. Hope you're enjoying the podcast. If you like what you hear, help us support this podcast and the journalism that reporters at the Kansas City Star do every day by subscribing. There's an easy way for you to do it. Head to kansascity.com background. You'll even get a special discount just for being a Deep Background listener. Subscribing at that URL will get you three months of unlimited digital access for $1.99 total. You get access to KansasCity.com, the e-edition of the newspaper, mobile apps, and more for three whole months, and it only costs you $1.99. It's a pretty sweet deal, plus you'll be supporting journalism that makes a difference in Kansas City. 
So grab your computer or mobile device and go to kansascity.com slash background. And hey, thanks for listening. Dave Belling with the Stars Editorial Board, back with you now, and Leah Becerra, my co-host, and Crystal Thomas making her debut on Deep Background. Crystal, so good to have you with us up from Jeff City, right? You're the Jeff City correspondent for the Star. Yep. Uh, Good to be here. Didn't mind the snow. Totally (laughs) worth it. Great. Um, Now, normally you're in Jeff City, Crystal, but you spent some time in St. Louis uh, earlier uh, a couple of weeks ago for this big hearing. It was in St. Louis, right? I hope I got that right. On on the Planned Parenthood um, relationship with the state of Missouri, I'll put it that way. Give us some background. What were you there for? What who was hearing this case? What was the case about? Well, so the hearing was a state administrative commission hearing, um, and it was about Planned Parenthood's license to perform abortions. And there's only one clinic in the entire state that performs abortions, and that's Planned Parenthood's clinic in St. Louis. So uh, to get the background of this, you know, the deep background. um, (laughs) Which is what we always want. (laughs) Months ago, months ago, Planned Parenthood was in the process of um, getting uh, its license to perform abortions renewed. So it goes through its annual inspections and um, the state of Missouri State Health Department um, inspectors have some concerns um, about some of the things they find in the medical records. Right. Um, and and we should be clear, Missouri's regulations for this license are pretty strict. I mean, the legislature has imposed some fairly stringent requirements on this these facilities. Yes, and you know those requirements and regulations have built up over the years to be what they are today. So um, you know, Planned Parenthood um, undergoes some new rules every couple of years. So they had their March annual inspection, and um, after that, inspectors, they, they, they opened an investigation into Planned Parenthood because they were concerned about uh, some of the patients. They, they found four patients that had very complicated abortions. So they either um, the patient had left Planned Parenthood and then they came back and they still found out that they were still pregnant or had some kind of... Um, they had to have like a second abortion to get all of the fetal remains out. And, or there was um, a case in which uh, there was some heavy bleeding at, and they had to go to a hospital. So those are just some examples. And so Planned Parenthood um, talked to the state about this. They went back and forth and the state wanted to interview Planned Parenthood's doctors, including the ones that provided care there and were affiliated with a teaching hospital or, you know, a medical school. And And Planned Parenthood said no. Well, so Planned Parenthood said yes for their doctors. So, you know, Dr. McNicholas, who goes on to testify at the hearing, and she's a chief medical officer, and they say yes for Dr. Eisenberg, who, you know, they... The, the ones that are employed by Planned Parenthood, they say yes, but the ones that are affiliated with pa- Planned Parenthood, Planned Parenthood says, we don't have authority over them. We can't force them to submit to interviews. So we're not going to do that. And those doctors say, well, we don't know what 
you want to ask us about. And there may be some criminal liability or something else on the other side. Right. They're in the letter that they sent to Planned Parenthood, you know, may have been kind of almost like a form thing, but basically the state says, you know, and anything you say can be referred for criminal prosecution in the state of Missouri. There are some crimes related to abortion-related procedures that end up in misdemeanors. You can get stripped of your Board of Healing Arts uh, by the Board of Healing Arts of your license, and then uh, the Attorney General in Missouri actually can prosecute um, abortion-related offenses, not just, you know, uh, county prosecutors. There was some trepidation on Planned Parenthood's part, but there was also some serious concern on the State Health Department's part, and they just could not resolve that they It was an impasse. And so the state said, we're going to not issue your license. Not quite. (laughs) That would have been a little bit more simple. Planned Parenthood sends them plans of correction. The state says, we still need to interview. Planned Parenthood, the, the deadline is coming up. This is, you know, it's getting on May. And they have to get it renewed by the end of the month or then they're in this weird limbo of not having a license and not being denied a license. And so Planned Parenthood preemptively sues the state and says, we know they're on the verge of denying us our license. You, you know, court, please intercede. Right. And uh, Which the court did. The court did, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> Everything is complicated. Yes. So they go to Which court. I'm showing, obviously, I wasn't reading the paper enough because I'm kind of guessing at this stuff. But my recollection is the court did. Well, I mean, there's just so many twists and turns, and I was in St. Louis a lot for yeah. this. So right. um, at this point, we're at the circuit court in St. Louis, and um, there's a hearing, and basically the state comes up and says, we have concerns, they won't let us interview them, and we think that is, you know... Uh, they acted, you know, too fast. They shouldn't have sued us. And Planned Parenthood says, we want you to put a preliminary injunction on this. We want you to give us some relief and say that they they have to give us our license. Um, the judge... Federal judge now. Circuit court judge. Yeah, federal circuit court, though, correct? Mm-mm. St. Louis City you're sti- Circuit. You're still... Okay. I'm because happy. it did go to federal court, didn't it, with Howard Sachs? That's the abortion law. Okay. Not the license. All right, all right. Basically, in in circuit court, um, the judge says, hey, this is not really my jurisdiction. This is an administrative matter. This is about a license. So I'm going to kick it to the State Administrative Hearing Commission, and they're going to figure this out for you. However, State Health Department, by this day, you need to officially deny them their license or officially say that it's renewed. And if you deny them, you have to tell them why. And so that's when we first get our first Planned Parenthood's license is denied, um, and and that happened in May. And so, fast forward a bit, we're in the state administrative hearing court, and the first hearing's in October, and that is what I attended. Okay. And so that's actually, it's it's kind of like quasi-judicial. There's a hearing um, commissioner who kind of acts like a judge, and there's lawyers on both sides. And a record and all that yeah, stuff. Yeah, a record and there but it's not a it's not a court, you know. And so But what was the commission set to decide or what will it decide whether to issue the license formally or where, what's the role of the, so the hearing? The commission's role, the commissioner's role is to decide whether um, 
the state was correct in denying Planned Parenthood its license or not, and if it wasn't, one of the rulings could Planned be... Planned Parenthood is still open, though, in St. Louis, isn't it? Yes. So one of the things that also happened in the circuit court um, was that the circuit court judge said, I'm going to stay this, the, the fact that the you guys... The enforcement, are, right. I'm going to stay it until you get to the Administrative Hearing Commission, and then the Administrative Hearing Commissioner also stayed it. So it kind of just bounced from hand to hand as Until to, this hearing, and then the, the commission right. will make its decision. Right. Well, Leah, I've pretty much botched the entire story, <laughs> as you can see, which, you know, I'm sure the public is uh, equally, uh, or perhaps less so, but it, it's been a very confusing story, I'll put it that way. Yeah, Crystal, we've you've written so many stories about this, and at least on my part of when I get to touch your stories, which is usually toward the end, right before it publishes and we're working on things like headlines and the text that shows up on like Facebook and stuff like that. I feel like we're having a hard time being specific on what the new piece is while also not making it sound like it's one of the previous updates. And it's just because these changes are so incremental and mm -hmm. they're, they're so, difficult if you're not reporting on it each day to sort of wrap your head around and stay up to date on. Yeah. Right. Uh, oh. But just let me add to that, but also extraordinarily important once the final decision is reached. I mean, this is the only abortion provider left in the state of Missouri and is in danger still of losing its license to operate. This, this process has almost hit almost every part of government that imaginable. And so um, it, it has been quite eye-opening to see how, you know, the courts, the state administrative hearing commission, the state health department, you know, the governor's office, how everyone is reacting to this one issue. Um, and so it's because isn't it isn't it fair to say, Crystal, that you're all these incremental changes and all these discussions, all the hearings, all the motions, all the stays, are all critical, but it. At its you know basis level, some people want to stop abortions in the state of Missouri, and some people want to continue them, and that's what's at stake. Yes, and one of the reasons I do that incremental coverage is because at this point we haven't had a decision that has gone against Planned Parenthood. So one day that decision may come. Right, and you don't want people to say, where the hell did this come from? Exactly, <laughs> you know, so... You know, one of the things that could have happened is that, you know, the St. Louis Circuit Court, the judge could have not stayed, stayed it and then planned there would have been right. no clinics in the state of Missouri that provide abortions. And while it went through the appeals process and all of this stuff, there would have been no right. clinic in the state of Missouri. So, you know, that is happening at the same time, and this is what confuses so many people, that is happening at the same time that Missouri signed a law right. that criminalized abortions right, right. after eight weeks of pregnancy. And that is also going through the courts, but on the federal courts. And, you know, the, the idea is one day it'll hit the Supreme Court. Right. And that's where I was confused a few moments ago. But I guess the, a better way of putting it or uh, is that this is a legal procedure that you just talked about, in both in the state court and the federal court, the administrative level, but ultimately it's a political outcome, right? I mean, you've written about that a little bit too. Right, um, and you know, that argument has also come up in these hearings 
Um, you know, what's the motivation behind it? And, you know, you see a little bit of that in some of the messaging that comes out of, you know, the governor's office. The state health department and the governor's office say that they want to protect the health and safety of women um, by going through this investigation and um, making sure that the licensure procedure is above board. Right. And that the standards are met and that the regulations are are um, fulfilled. Right. But at the same time, all of that is being said when the governor is signing a bill that says, you know, abortions should be limited in the state. Right. And um, the governor's communications director did have a call with activists and lawmakers um, on his own time. He, he didn't present himself as, you know, the communications director. Right. It was on his own time with, you know, the invitation to the call says, hashtag shut them down. And they were talking about how to um, present what was happening with Planned Parenthood to the public. And there was some discussion of how, you know, we wish we could say, just shut them down. You know, we wish we could say, we don't want abortion, but we have to talk about the health and safety of women. Right, and uh, we, you know, there is some experience with this on the Kansas side too, when Phil, double L, Phil Klein was the attorney general and then became the prosecutor in Johnson County, and he wanted records from Planned Parenthood, and there was a very, a big legal explosion, but at its core, it was a battle over whether abortion should be allowed or, or, or whether abortion, the abortion procedure should be allowed in the state of Kansas or not, and that made the stakes very high. It wasn't just a, a, a legal battle, although legalities were part of it. Now, one of the things that came up Leah, you'll remember this is, and I think, Crystal, your story about keeping records of the menses of some of the patients there, that story blew up big time. So what was the hell was that about? <laughs> well, so um, it, that happened on the second day of the hearing, uh, and I just, I just want to put something out there that um, I think that a lot of people think, you know, ab- abortion's a very high emotion issue, and people have very strong opinions about it, and there's been a lot of press on this. So the idea is that these hearings are very high-paced, and, and uh, you know, um, every moment is, that is not how it yeah, is. Anybody who's ever been in a courtroom Oh, gosh, it's, <laughs> it's an administrative hearing, so it's so boring. <laughs> and, um, you know, part of it, too, was that a, a huge part of it was going through each and every one of those patients' circumstances, and you know, what went into the abortions and the decisions the doctors made and the, you know, the positioning of their uterus and like that. And so by the second day, there was testimony and, you know, it it was, it was kind of brief, but they were getting into how they found these patients who they focused all of this testimony on uh, of their abortion procedures. And um, they pull up an email, and the email is from a Bureau of Vital Statistics employees. So, you know, someone you think of who, who puts all those health t- statistics together, births and deaths and things like that. And um, in it, there is a spreadsheet that is labeled director's request. The, the name of the email is duplicate ITOPS um, with last normal menses date, which menses is short for menstruation and the spreadsheet is director's request. Well, so 
the state health department director testifies to, yes, this is this email, this is a spreadsheet, um, you know, this is in the spreadsheet, there's medical identification numbers, date of procedure, um, gestational age, and then in the last column of the spreadsheet is the department's calculation of these dozens of patients' last normal menstruation date. And I was sitting there and I see this spreadsheet and I come from like the you know political background and I know how a lot of lawmakers feel about databases and having patient information that's a perennial that's a perennial conversation in the legislature and so you know i thought the fact that the state health department has this spreadsheet is newsworthy and so i i wrote about it and um it kind of blew up a little bit yeah it got a lot of people's attention because regardless of the specifics of the story or what was testified to one of the big issues, Crystal, in the entire abortion debate is the alleged invasiveness of the government, right? I mean, that's the whole, you know, I think people sort of focused on the one column for the last menstrual uh, period, but, but the broader idea is why does the government need this kind of information at all? Not just that, but all of that. And, and that's kind of, you know, you hear those arguments um, during the legislative session. Um, but it's just not about this issue. It's not abortion related. So, you know, we hear that argument a lot about having a statewide database in which patient information is is gathered about opioids and prescriptions. Right. Which Missouri also doesn't have. Yes, and, and the reason why For is, beca- privacy reasons. is because of concerns about patient privacy. Um, and the government having access, that was the whole holdup on the real ID, that they didn't want the government to have information from people. Right. And, but here, they do. Right. And, and you know, when you say real ID, that's the, the having federally recognized state IDs, and it was considered to be an anti-terrorism measure. And so... Um, Missouri resisted that for a really long time because normal everyday citizens would have to provide more documentation that would be retained by the government. Searchable, all those things. And, you know, have biometric data and things like that. And for Missouri lawmakers, that was considered too invasive. And so um, for a long time, Missouri didn't do it. And then just in the last year, now offers an option. So I guess, Leah, to, to give us some sense of what the reaction to all of this was online, I, you know, obviously people were have strong feelings on this all yeah, the way around. People who, um, yes, people had very strong reactions to it because ultimately, kind of as Crystal was sort of hinting toward, is um, Missouri says it's not cool to save this type of super invasive personal data. And yet here is a spreadsheet with women's menstrual cycles on them, which is for many women, the idea of it is just kind of like, why would they need that? That is pretty much as invasive as you can possibly get. And that was the reaction. Right. And it really did focus attention on one data point in this long, boring, uh, confusing, at times, obviously, uh, argument over this particular case. Right. And I wrote about it, and it brought attention to it. But it it, it wasn't actually like a, a main point in the whole hearing. 
you know, it was just a but revelation. But it was something, I, I get that completely, Crystal, mm-hmm. but it was something people could understand, right? I mean, Right, that, it was something that people could understand and, you and know. And take sides on. I, I also think that it's, it's, not only is it easy, easily understandable, but when you hear it, people just haven't automatic reaction to it and i actually saw that in real time because the woman who was sitting next to me um when they said that she kind of like shuddered and said that's so gross (laughs) and so and so her reaction was kind of a little bit of validation that oh maybe some people would care about this and so i am going to write a story all right we're about out of time let me let me wrap up this conversation uh, with a, sort of a look forward. We're not going to know until, I think you told me a few minutes ago, February or so before this decision is reached, and then uh, pr- presumably you may have some court challenges. That means that abortion as an issue in Missouri is going to be unavoidable in 2020, right? Yes. It's going to be a huge issue, not only you know in the state, but as you know, 2020, it's election season, and it's actually one of the bigger dividers between the gubernatorial candidates. You have um, Governor Parson, who is, you know, very pro-life, very anti-abortion, and... Um, Nicole uh, Galloway. And you have Nicole Galloway, who's the current state auditor, who's running against him, that is um, pro-choice and has been endorsed by Planned Parenthood. Right. And a bit critical of this this whole invasive. Yes, she she called for the resignation of the state health department director and had a petition about it. Yeah. Um, there hasn't been any movement on the front and that front. And the governor has said that you know he believes this to not be out of the ordinary yeah. and, and necessary for patient safety. But boy, Leah, you know, I've <laughs> I've been chasing ambulances as a reporter for more than 40 years. I remember doing abortion stories in the 1970s. It seems as if this issue never gets solved, which, I mean, you can't be, I mean, we're going to be yelling about it online next year, just like we have been for the last five decades, right? Yeah, I think um, nationally abortion has been an issue for a long time, let's be honest. But within the last year or so, it has raged up real big time. And it's partially because there have been some cases that um, groups that want to do away with people's choice they're seizing opportunities to try and get this taken to a Supreme Court. Correct. In a and lot of Missouri cases. is like ground zero in that effort. It's, it's one of the places that yeah. is becoming ground zero if it isn't already. Right. And, and I think, you know, as someone who has been in the state house, that that what you just said about abortion coming up every single year, you see that in the yep. state house. But, you know, those laws necessarily don't pass the finish line. This year, is different because this year not only did a law pass the, the the finish line it was like the big kahuna it was like the the law that banned abortion after eight weeks of pregnancy and and you know partially that can be a attributed to so much of the energy around the change in the Supreme Court. Um, you know, I don't want to put the words in the mouth of the, of the legislators as to what their intent was, but there is some renewed hope by anti-abortion activists. That they would get a favorable ruling that, that would they, overturn Roe. Exactly. You know, that there's that hope out there for them. I will say, though, that all of these things were passed now. But that license um, decision that's going to be made after February, that can be appealed to the circuit court. That's going to go through the courts as well. The um, 
law that's being challenged in federal court. You know, it's gone to the appellate court and has to go to the Supreme Correct. Court. Correct. So this is even the issues that have started this year are just going to be keeping. It's going to be litigated for years onwards, and I'll be there. So. All right. Well, and you've done a great job, and we appreciate you coming Thanks by the you. podcast to talk about it. And it's ve- you're exactly right, Chloe. Very, very complicated issue, and I'm glad you're around to help us sort it out a little bit as you were today. Uh, so thanks so much, Crystal Thomas with The Star. Leah Becerra, my co-host. Leah, thanks for sitting in today. I'm Dave Helling with The Star's editorial board, and you've been on Deep Background. 